to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of, this, of Christ's sufferings, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording, lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Father, once again we are before you. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open our ears to hear. Because blessed are those, blessed are your ears for they hear. Help us to hear your word and to do it. Help Reed to deliver this as you have anointed him to, as you have called him to. Lord, I thank you for such a faithful elder as him. We ask that you just bless his time, Lord, and anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I believe God has put in the heart of every one of his people a desire to serve in some way, a desire to bless others, uh, a desire to encourage others in Jesus' name. There's, there's just that cry in our hearts, I want to be used by God, isn't there? And as Peter had just told us in the previous chapter, the, the Holy Spirit equips us with gifts and callings, abilities to, to fulfill that desire. He gives us gifts so that, so that we can go do things. Some, some can speak, some can serve, some do different things. Well, as Peter makes it clear this morning, or in this passage, uh, some are called to be elders. Some are called to serve Jesus Christ as elders, and that, that's who Peter specifically addresses in this passage. He writes to the elders among you. And he goes on in, in speaking uh, to the elders, he goes on to, to say uh, what they are to do, uh, how they are to serve, and particularly with what kind of, of motive, what kind of tone and atmosphere they are to set, what attitudes they are to have. And you may think, well, I'm not an elder, so this has nothing to do with me. Well, there's at least a couple of reasons that I think you should uh, listen beyond this point. Uh, it's important to you, for you to recognize the right kind of um, pastoring or the right kind of shepherding, the right kind of elders. Uh, and that can keep you in places where you are watched over by good shepherds and good elders rather than in places uh, where there is the wrong kind who could harm you. Uh, I'm not naive enough to believe that everybody here would, although I would love you to, to always stay in real life church forever, but 
you know, when people go to different churches, I, I sometimes get concerned about who they're being shepherded by. So you need to know what, what, a, what, a, what a right kind of elder or shepherd uh, looks like. And then I believe that there's some here that someday maybe will be elders, and this past passage will give you a, a clear picture of what, what that should look like. But whether an elder or not, or whether you would ever be an elder or not, this passage teaches us some of the, the heart attitudes with which we are all to serve God. Uh, so, so don't mentally check out this morning uh, thinking it has nothing to do with you. Uh, there is much here uh, that applies to all. Now, I hope this isn't too much of a bunny trail to start off with here, but I think it's really important to get just a little bit of a picture of who Peter's writing to, uh, why he's writing to them, just what, just what the setting is. So just, just briefly, I want to set this up for you. In the New Testament, believers were called God's flock. And in each city or town or village where there were believers in Jesus, uh, they gathered together in local assemblies. They gathered in the name of Jesus. And they gathered around the name of Jesus. And they were, they were not gathered around the teaching of certain theologians or famous Bible teachers. They were not gathered around impressive, charismatic personalities. And they were not drawn to a, to a program offered by a church, but they were gathered around the person of Jesus Christ. There was a, there was a great simplicity in the New Testament church. Uh, for most of the churches we see... Uh, met in homes, and if you read through like the last chapter in a lot of the epistles, and you know, Paul will say, and to the, greet the people who meet at, at the, in, the, in the church at so-and-so's house. You know, it's just a sim- simple assembly of believers. And in each, each locality, each, each village or town or city, uh, there were a, f- a few men who were to shepherd this flock of believers. Uh, They were to care for the people as a shepherd would care for his own sheep. Now, it's probably uh, hard for us maybe to get a real clear picture of shepherding because I I don't know if many of us have even seen a shepherd and sheep. But I I think we probably have... The concept, I think, still pretty clearly communicates to us of what someone uh, taking care of a flock of sheep, what they they would, would do. And so, uh, a few men, uh, the elders, were to shepherd the flock. Uh, They were to care for the people as a shepherd would care for his own sheep. And so this, the church established by the apostles and the church that that, that Peter is is speaking into here was, was not a massive, complex hierarchy with layers and layers of bureaucracy and church officials and impressive titles, it was shepherds and the flock. It's just, it was just that simple. It was elders and those who were under their care. And so, of course, in this passage, Peter addresses these elders or these shepherds uh, 
of these local churches, these local assemblies of believers in Jesus' name. And so, obviously, my points this morning will apply to elders. It will apply to, to elders. It would apply to any in church leadership of any sort. But it will also apply to all of us. And so, as I, as I go through these points... Uh, I will call these attitudes of the heart or attitudes of heart that God wants in your service. Attitudes of heart that God wants in our service. So first, take care of people. Don't harm them or neglect them. And this is basically what a shepherd does. A shepherd takes care of of the sheep, he doesn't harm them or neglect them, and so we are we are basically called to take care of people. Peter writes, "Be shepherds of God's flock. Be shepherds of God's flock. Elders are to be shepherds. They are to do the things a shepherd would do. To have a shepherd's heart for people. To have a shepherd's approach to people." Uh, Jesus told Peter at the end of the book of John, after his resurrection, remember he, he came to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? And I'm sure many of you remember that story. And basically he told Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep or be a shepherd. If you love me, tend my lambs. So he, he basically called Peter to this shepherding heart uh, for other people. And uh, it's, it's interesting that in, there in, in that passage in John, he, he, he told Peter to you know, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. And then another time he says, tend my lamb. So feeding, feeding the sheep is, is really the elder's most basic and first responsibility. We are, we are to feed people on words of life. Uh, we, as Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that, I mean, that's how we have, that's how we survive and thrive spiritually is, is being fed and nourished on the words of life. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. It certainly is, involves pe- giving people the Bible, but giving the Bible to people in a certain way, in the power and life and nourishment of the Holy Spirit. So that, that's, that's base the first responsibility of the elders to feed people and another part of their test task could be described under the word to tend uh, which i think basically means to to take care of the sheep Uh, peter said shepherd the flock that is under your care meaning protect them guide them Uh, look look out for their spiritual welfare and the verse goes goes on uh, watching over them. Uh, the other way the NIV says, watching over them. I, I love that. It's just kind of a sweet description of what, of what we all are to be doing, but in a sense, especially elders, to be watching over people. We're uh, to be exercise oversight. We're to, we're to be aware of people, to, to care about people, to be aware of their needs, and to seek to, uh, to watch over them in a way that we... That we Take care of them. Uh, in John 10, verse 10, uh, Jesus 
said the good shepherd is concerned about the life of the sheep. And this is a very familiar verse, but he's talking about it in the context of himself being the good shepherd. And he's talking about, in, the, in this context of a shepherd shepherding sheep, a flock of sheep, he's saying, you know, the thief comes to, to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, there's, there's people out there that will, that, will, that will destroy the sheep, they'll harm the sheep, they'll, they'll, they'll steal them, they'll kill them. But he says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So he, he's talking about the flock the flock of, of sheep, his people. Uh, he's, he's, he's saying that I came to take care of people, not to harm them. <laughs> I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So being, being a good shepherd is, is, being about, is being concerned about other people thriving and flourishing in the Lord. It's being concerned about others experiencing Life to the full. You know, I came that you might have life and might have it to the full. And in the very next verse, John 10, 11, Jesus describes how the good shepherd puts the interests of the sheep above his own. Uh, again, some of you are probably familiar with this passage. He talks about how the hired hand is not concerned about the sheep. You know, just the, the guy that's just hired to, to come, he really isn't that concerned if... if uh, if a wolf comes, Jesus said, uh, this guy, he's just going to run away. You know, the first sign of trouble, first, first sign that things aren't very much fun, uh, he's, he's going to run. But the good shepherd is so faithful, he's so committed that he will, he will stay. He would remain, he would even lay down his life for those sheep. So, and of course, Jesus was talking about himself as, as the good shepherd, but we are, we are to be that kind of shepherds too. And that's what Peter's calling us to when he says, be shepherds of the flock. Paul demonstrated this kind of concern for those under his care. You, you see it all, all throughout the, the epistles. He, he talks about how he treated people like a father or as a nursing mother. Uh, he talked about his gentleness uh, among the people. And then there's, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 11, 28, and 29 that I, th- I think really communicates Paul's shepherd's heart. He says, I, I face daily the pressure of concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? Uh, he, he cared about people. He sh- had that shepherd's heart for people. Uh, he, he had that care, that concern about how people were doing. And one more verse outside of our passage from Ezekiel 34, uh, where the Lord talks, he's talking about the leaders of Israel, and he's, actually in this passage he's talking about what terrible shepherds they were. And this is, this is, so this is, the, this is a passage to learn from the negative, from the negative you know, not, not from the positive example like we have in Jesus. But in, in Ezekiel 34, the Lord says, should not shepherds take care of the flock? And then he, then he accuses the leaders of Israel of, of this terrible job of shepherding. He says, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick 
or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And so all of that is what shepherds are not to be like. We are to be uh, faithful uh, shepherds who feed and tend the flock. Now again, I want to emphasize that in, in one sense, all of us are shepherds to at least some people. There's, there's, there's people around you, there's people in your life that in some way the Lord has entrusted to you to, to tend, to, to watch out for, to shepherd. And we are to do all we can uh, with those the Lord has entrusted to us to help them thrive and flourish in the Lord. Uh, we, are, we are not to abuse and bruise people, but we are to take good care of them. And so you might just think this morning, who are the, who are the people that God has entrusted to me? Perhaps, perhaps your spouse, your children, grandchildren, perhaps parents. You're, perhaps you're at a ter- time in your life where, where you're tending to parents. Friends, you have friends. Uh, and certainly you have brothers and sisters in the family of God. There's, there's some people in this church that God's put on your heart that you have a connection to that you you can shepherd so so Peter would say have a heart have the heart of a shepherd uh, toward these people second um, volunteer to serve God and do it eagerly serve God eagerly uh, the, new, the NIV says shepherd the flock of God not because you must but because you are willing as God wants you to be is not, not to make money, but eager to serve. Uh, the New American Standard Bible says, Shepherd the flock not under compulsion, but voluntarily with eagerness according to the will of God. I, I love the way it combines both those words. Do it voluntarily and with eagerness. And the, the ESV, uh, in, in, the, in the place of according to the will of God or as God wants you to be, according in the NIV, the DSV says, "As God would have you." And I like that. Do it eagerly, as God would have you. Meaning simply that that God would have you serve eagerly. That's that's the way uh, what He wants you to serve. Uh, just as God loves a cheerful giver, uh, He loves a cheerful, uh, an eager servant. Uh, Cindy and I enjoy uh, lunch every Tuesday. It's kind of our, our date day. It's kind of an odd time, I know, but we, we, we enjoy lunch together at the cafe in Ames. And I don't know who trains their waitresses, but I tell you, those those people up there at that cafe, they serve with such eagerness and readiness to, to serve you. So I, I, the, whoever does it does a good job. And we always... Uh, have our special requests. I mean, Cindy's, Cindy's wants the large cup of coffee, not the regular. She wants two creams, and, and now it's maybe going to three creams. And, you know, I have certain ways I want my dessert, with, you know, a little extra caramel and so forth. And, you know, they, they just uh, are so eager and ready, and sometimes when you feel like you might be asking for new mu- too much, uh, they don't make you feel like you're asking for too much. They say, well, of course. 
Um, and uh, after serving us, they usually say, hey, can I get you a coffee to go or something? It's just, there's just a sense of eager, willing service. And the, the point is, uh, you feel like they, they want to do what they're doing. They want to wait on you and enjoy doing it. And that's the way we're to serve others in Jesus' name. You know, Psalm 100 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, of course, any kind of service, any kind of service to the Lord has some hard things in it. I mean, there can be disappointments with people. Uh, There can be discouraging results at times. Um, People can just not stick around that you wanted to stick around. Uh, It can take great perseverance and, and setting aside of some other pleasures or maybe things that you wanted to do to be faithful to, to a ministry, to a church body, to people. It, it, it takes a, a, a sacrifice, a discipline to, to do that. Um, but we are not to feel sorry for ourselves in our service. Or we are not to serve with a chip on our shoulder. We are to be excited about serving. Uh, we are to be glad to serve, no matter what happens. No matter their disappointments, no matter their... Results. We are, we are to be glad to serve because because we're serving Jesus and we want to serve Him with uh, gladness. And that applies if if you're an elder, uh, if you're leading a, a Bible study, if you're trying to to reach just one person or friend or reach out to some other brother or sister to encourage them. If you're if you're helping with the nursery or Sunday school or cleaning the bathrooms, whatever, we're to do it with this willing, eager attitude. Yet the other word that, you know, that Peter used here is volunteer. Um, he says volunteer for what you do. Shepherd the flock voluntarily. You know, I love it when I hear, either through Josh or somebody else, that somebody in the church body has volunteered to do something. You know, I, 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 it's, just, it's just so encouraging. Uh, you know, when we first got the church building, um, it was just so encouraged Andy Amanda volunteered to do the cleaning. I mean, you know, it was just, it was just they stepped up and did it. It was just, just encouraging when I hear people volunteer to do stuff. And, you know, Jesus himself is, is our example in this. And uh, he... he, he he says something that that has, has has really helped me, and I share this I share this with uh, with my brother Paul, who's all, who's also an, an elder, teaching a pastor at uh, Dewine Fellowship Church. But he said, "No one takes my life from me; I lay it down of my own will. No one takes my life from me; I lay it down of my own will, or volu- or willingly, or voluntarily." He volunteered to suffer what he suffered for us. And when you see what you do for the body of Christ, when you do see what you do for other people, uh, when you see it as voluntarily, when you see this is something I volunteered for, then you never have to feel like a victim. And it's, it's just a great help to keep that mindset. Uh, we have chosen to serve, 
We have chosen to love. We have chosen to pay the price. No one is making us do this. That's, that should be all of our, our attitude and service. Third, uh, don't serve others out of selfish or worldly motives. Uh, Peter says, do it because you're willing, not because you're greedy for money. And I don't know, you know, uh, it's hard for me to believe that in the New Testament church that many of, the, many of the elders of these local flocks could have had the opportunity to make a lot of money out of being an elder. I, I, don't, I don't know. But apparently it, there, it was something that Peter felt need, needed to be warned about. Do it because you're willing, uh, not because you're greedy for money or, or anything, anything else for that matter. Uh, don't do it for selfish or worldly motives. Now, we do do it because of something we get, but it's because of something we get from Jesus later on, and we're going to see that. But we don't do it for, for, for selfish or worldly motives right now. I don't know if I have this word-for-word word correct, so you know, if I've I mis, misquoted this a little bit, I'll be glad to be corrected. But uh, during the, the uh, confirmation hearings uh, recently, uh, Rex Tillerson was asked something about why he would consider serving as Secretary of State and lose so much income from what, from what he had made. And he said something like this, and it, it, I thought it was extremely powerful. He said, when I considered all the reasons why I, sh- why I would say no, they were all selfish. So I said yes. And I think that would be... Uh, a great way for us to think in the church. <laughs> if all the reasons that we can think of to say no are selfish, then maybe we, maybe we ought to say yes. Um, but Peter points out a danger uh, that, that could somehow, that men somehow could figure out um, how to use the ministry to make money and do it for that motive. So he warns against that. And today, uh, more so than I maybe see how it could happen in Peter's day, but today um, some can make lots of money. Uh, There are some churches that just, big churches that pay a huge amount of money for pastors. It's really kind of surprising how much uh, some of them make. Uh, People can make money selling books from from, uh, fees for speaking engagements, collecting money from television and radio programs. I'm not saying any of that is inherently... Wrong, but Peter just says, "Don't serve the Lord out of that motive. Be careful that uh, there's you're, you're not doing it for that sort of selfish motive." And while I don't think opportunities to make money in ministry are available to to most of us, you know we can have an attitude about whatever we do in the Lord that I'm doing it for some sort of personal temporal gain from other people here and now. Uh, like I'm you know, I want to be on the worship team for my own fulfillment or how it makes me feel, or I want I'm leading this Bible study so I will look a certain way to others or whatever. You can use your own imagination. But we we can find ourselves serving not really for the right reasons. Uh, 
So we're, uh, we're, not, we're not in our service for Jesus. We're uh, doing it for him eagerly, not, to, not for some sort of uh, present or worldly gain for ourselves. And if you do it for that sort of motive, if you find yourself doing it for uh, a, what I would call a present gain from, from people, you will likely become greatly uh, disillusioned or maybe even bitter. Um, you, you might find yourself saying things like, well, you know, I tried to start, start this group and nobody came. Uh, or I suggested that we all do this and nobody responded. Um, or I did this for that family and it was like they didn't even notice. No, no thank you, no appreciation. I mean, what's, what's the matter with people anyway? Uh, I do this week in, week out, and nobody, ever, nobody else ever seems to lift a finger. I mean, those kind of, that kind of attitude, those kind of thoughts are really evidence that our motive is not right. Uh, so we don't serve Jesus for how it's going to benef- benefit us here and now in a worldly sense. Fourth, um, influence people by example uh, not force. Peter says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but proving to be examples to the flock. Uh, biblical eldership is, is not weak, but it is not authoritarian. There, there, is, a sort of, there is a kind of softness or gentleness um, to biblical uh, shepherding or biblical eldership uh, it's it's not demanding or harsh it speaks god's word with authority uh, but it's not supposed to be a domineering kind of leadership and just think of our text for this month what is what does jesus say about himself he says i am gentle and humble in heart and so if if the chief shepherd if the chief shepherd is that way uh, we we all should be that too. And plus it says, not lording over those entrusted to you, which emphasizes that you don't own them. Uh, people are not yours to, to dominate or manipulate or be severe with. Uh, people belong to God. And we, we, are, we are just shepherds underneath the chief shepherd. Where the Bible gives freedom, we need to give freedom. Uh, Francis Schaeffer, an author, author I read quite a bit when I was younger, uh, he once described uh, legalism in the church as like being in a coat that fits too tight and it just hurts every time you move. You know, if you can just kind of imagine yourself being in a coat that's about three sizes too small. <laughs> and being under leaders... Uh, of any kind, elders or other leaders, being under leaders who lord it over you uh, can feel like that. Um, so however you serve in a body, watch out for that, the, uh, any kind of tendency to, to take charge of people in a way that, uh, that squelches them. Instead of pushing people around, we are to be examples. You know, there's, there's nothing that you can do as an elder... There's nothing that you can do as a Christian that can substitute for being a good example. Fathers, there's nothing that you can do for your kids 
you, you know, no sports that you can help them be good at, nothing you can buy for them, no education you can give them that will substitute for you being a good example. Uh, for elders, there's no amount of Bible knowledge or skill in preaching uh, that can substitute just for being a good example. You know, and I, I will say this in, also, in some ways, elders' ministry is, is, is limited. This isn't in my notes, but I'm, so I'm going to go off on a tangent here a bit. But in some way, elders' ministry is, is, is limited. I mean, they can, they can teach you. Um, they can set an example for you to the best of their ability. Not perfect. Elders are not perfect. They can set an example for you. But... They can't make you obey God. You know, they can't do your obeying for you. They're, they're shepherds of the flock. They, they set the example. They prove to be examples. But um, there's, there's some, because they can't lord it over you, because they can't boss you around, there, there's, there's some limit to their ministry. And you need, you need to be a person who is willing to follow this kind of soft, gentle leadership of example and not wait for somebody to have to bring the hammer down on you. I mean, elders can be strong. They can reprove, rebuke, all that. I'm not saying there's not a place for that. But we're, the flock is to follow this soft, gentle leadership by example and, and not, not have to have some domineering, lording it over kind of leadership in order to get you to do the right thing. Understand? Okay. Fifth, um, your service to others in Jesus' name will be greatly rewarded. Verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And so Peter's reminding these, these shepherds, these men, these elders in these local assemblies... He's reminding them that not to be discouraged. You're going to be rewarded. When the chief shepherd appears, he says, man, you guys are going to get a reward. A great reward. A a crown of glory that will never fade away. And, of course, the crown of glory is not just for elders. It's It's for all who love Jesus and are faithful to serve and faithful to what he's called them to. We, we all report to Jesus. We all report to the chief shepherd. Um, and it's from the chief shepherd that we will receive our crown of glory. And I, I just think it's interesting that he points this out uh, for this, particular, this reward, particularly for the ministry of, of shepherding. And I, I just think it's because Jesus highly values this work of taking care of people in his flock. And so whatever you do to take care of people in the flock, um, Jesus values that. He highly values that. And Peter calls it the, the crown of glory that will never fade away. Anybody know what that is? Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. I mean, I don't know how to, like, break this verse down and... Uh, and uh, you know, fully explain what this this uh, crown of glory uh, 
is. But Peter's communicating that the reward for service, the reward for your service is so magnificent. It is so way out of proportion to what we do that it can only be described as something glorious. And he can't, he can't, he can't describe it any, in any more detail than that. Um, so we don't know exactly what it is. At least I don't. If somebody figures out more than that, uh, let me know. But, but the, the Bible often, it seems, uses the word glory or glorious when something is just is so great that it's beyond our ability to understand. And so I think that's what's being communicated here, this glory that you will receive for serving Jesus in any way will be, on, be beyond your wildest imagination. I don't know why I don't remember to bring a Kleenex up here every Sunday. But and I also want to say this about the reward. There is nothing wrong with serving God because you want a reward from him. Um, and and I, I honestly think it's a little bit of an error when people say you should serve God never, you know, never wanting anything back. It's not that's not the way the Bible talks. Um Hebrews says, Hebrews 6 is all, all, he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. In fact, it says, if, if really, if, you, if you're going to live for God, you've got to believe he's there and you also got to believe one more thing. You've got to believe that he will reward you for seeking him and serving him. And we, we talked about how our motive isn't to get something now in a kind of worldly sense for ourselves. But, we, but the godly motive is to get a reward, but it's from God. And it's at, at the proper time. Moses left all the riches and power of Egypt for the reproach of serving Christ. Do you know why he did that? Because it says, he was, for he was looking to the reward. And I, honestly, I think one of the reasons that we, that, that we don't do more to serve God is is because we we have a uh, a vastly a, a vast under vastly under underestimated view of the glory of the reward. And I think if we if we saw the crown of glory, um, we had a vision for that, uh, we would be much more diligent and faithful and eager uh, to. To, uh, to, serve, to serve him like, like Moses, for he was looking to the reward. But it says when the chief, we will receive that reward when the chief shepherd appears. You know, it, it creates all kinds of heart problems when we look for our rewards too early. Uh, you know, people might say, hey, I've been doing this for years and God seems to have forgotten about me, um, or you know, I've been doing this. I've been laboring. I've been faithful. I've been doing this for so long, and you know, where's the reward? 
Um, where's the benefits? Well, God hasn't forgotten about you. Uh, he's already told us when the reward comes. And it's not it's not right now. It's when the chief shepherd appears. And if, if you're looking for it early and you really get focused on that, it can lead to growing weary and losing heart and becoming disillusioned. Sixth, do all that you do for the Lord with the utmost humility. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Okay, I don't really have time to do justice to that verse and that principle except to deal with it in this, in this context of shepherds and the flock. Um, Peter has called the elders to a humble manner of serving the flock. I mean, he doesn't use that word humility to them, but wouldn't you say that the way he describes what elders are to do, he's calling them to a humble manner of serving the flock. And Peter himself had demonstrated a humble manner, humble spirit, just in the way that he wrote this passage. He's preeminent uh, among the apostles, and yet he... He, he writes, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Spurgeon wrote, it will always be our wisdom to put ourselves as much as possible in the position of those whom we address. It is a pity for anyone ever to seem to preach down to people. Peter goes on to say, in the same way, you younger men respond to your elders in a humble manner. He says, in, in, in the same way, you younger men, um, in the same way, be submissive to the, to the older or to the elders. There's many ideas about why he specifically mentions younger men. I, I don't know. I could you know speculate. Some have thought they might... They might be uh, eager to take over or challenge the elders. I, I really don't know. But, it, but he says, you younger men, be subject to your elders. And then, then he moves right on to, to, to encompass everybody. All of you. All of you do this. All of you um, clothe yourselves with humility to one another. Um. There is something, you know, it's hard, as an elder, you kind of hate to, to almost talk about this in a way, but because you want people to see this and respond. But, I mean, part of the way that humility is shown in the body is, is by being subject to your elders, and that's why Peter tells the younger men to, to do that. Um, you know, one thing my dear wife will often tell people, particularly if, they, if they've gotten themselves into a, a kind of a spiritual mess, uh, she'll say, you know, go, go talk to the elders and, and do what they tell you to do for three months and see if you're not better off. And, you know, um, a lot of people, uh, you know, resist that. And uh, it's not because the elders are supposed to tell you, where, you know, where to live, what to do, what job to take, that, that kind of stuff. But, but they could maybe have some counsel to, for some attitudes that you're choosing, some, some things, directions that your life is heading 
that you, that you really need to humble yourself and, and submit and listen to them. And I, I say that not, it's, I mean, it's not for the glory of, of the elders. It's for your own good to, uh, to humble yourself and be subject. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. In other words, just, you know, it's like cover yourself up. Cover, cover up the ugliness of pride. Put on the clothing of humility. Uh, clothe yourselves with, with humility. Cover everything you say and do with humility. You know, every, every sentence you speak, every Facebook post, every phone call, everything you share with other believers should be wrapped, wrapped in humility. Clothe yourselves with this. Instead, instead of wearing the clothes of arrogance or condescension, put on the clothes of humility. You know, it'd be an understatement to say that there have been strong feelings and beliefs about our recent presidential election among Christians. And I, I'm not troubled by Christians having strong opinions or beliefs or convictions, uh, but, it, but it has troubled me the way many believers communicate those convictions without humility and grace. Um, it's just not right for believers to malign one another, to devour one another, to, you know, to make charges and countercharges with, just with a glaring lack of humility. When we feel strongly about beliefs or personal convictions or even, even about our theology or uh, or something in the Bible, um, that does not exempt us from clothing ourselves in humility when, we, when writing or talking about these things. Whatever we have to say to a, to a brother or sister or to the body of Christ, uh, they ought to be able to say that it, you know, it came with humility. You know, it might, have been a strong, might be a strong word, but it, we should be able to say you know, it came with humility. And when people come into our fellowship, there's certain, uh, certain things that they should sense in, in the atmosphere. I mean, certainly we want them to, to come in and say, certainly God is among you, like the passage in, in 1 Corinthians. They ought, we want people to come in and say, certainly God is in this place. And certainly they ought to see the love that we have for one another. I mean, love is the greatest command, that we, lo- that we love one another. But I think humility is another quality they they ought to see when they come into a, a, a church, church family. When they come into our church family, they ought they ought to sense that you know there's there's a there's a there's a humility here. There's a spirit like Jesus, where he said, "I'm gentle and humble in heart." I'm not and I'm not talking about some kind of mousy weakness where we don't even have an opinion on anything. I'm not talking about that at all. But I'm I'm talking about. Being strong in the Lord, but yet doing it, doing it in a in a in a gentle and humble humble way. Come at everything and everybody with humility. So, uh, these are the attitudes of heart um, that please God in our service. Uh, these are the attitudes of heart that elders are to have, and all of us are to have or to be growing in in, in some way. So. Uh, Pray for your elders, pray for the for deacons, uh, spiritual leaders in this church to, to excel in these things. Pray for us uh, all to be good shepherds. And then, then just also uh, ask the Lord to give you this uh, attitude of heart toward people uh, that you have entrusted 
to you in some way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us how you want us to serve you. Thank you for showing us for the attitudes of heart that we are to have. And Lord, just rely completely on your spirit to, to speak in, into our lives and hearts this morning through your word. This is, this is your word. You're the chief shepherd, Lord. Um, you inspired Peter to write these words through the Holy Spirit. This is what you have to say to us. And uh, we, we just want to be open to it. We want to bow before it. And we want, we want you to take us where we need to go. Uh, we want you to um, help us become what we, what we need to become to help us serve you with uh, these kinds of attitudes that, that are according to uh, the will of God or they're the kinds of attitudes that, that please you and that you want, want to see in our lives. So... Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for each and every precious uh, person here, every, every member of this flock. Um, help us to be all to be good shepherds and caring for one another. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.